Until we meet again, I'm in Sheets. And I'm Lane Sheets. And it's good to be here with you the day before the election. Yes, I think this might be our first um, late night uh, Monday post. Just to have it, well, it might still happen, I guess, at like midnight. So it'll be in your feeds on Tuesday morning. But Mm -hmm. um, yes, it is the day before... um, what uh, promises to be a historic election. Yeah, so let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the last week. We've had um, a time change. We've had Halloween. We've had All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's Halloween, Lane? It was great. It was fun to um, have a little tiny sense of normalcy yeah. um, from our... Um, from our neighbors who mm-hmm. who put together um, some really creative ways to give candy. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed a house. A couple of houses down had this big like PVC pipe um, that they would they were like pumping full candy bars yeah. through, which was awesome. Um, uh, the M M&M and M bag that came down for Oliver clocked him right in the face. Um, it was right at his height. Yeah, yeah, it was right at his his eye level. But um, really cool to see that. The neighbors were practicing um, safe delivery of yeah. candy and and giving us the um, the ability to give Oliver a little bit of trick or treating. And he was Catboy um, mm-hmm. from PJ Masks, which uh, was just really neat, um, really fun to get to see how much he loved Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I actually was um, took a bike ride today, and I saw somebody with a PVC pipe. Um, that was clearly from Halloween and they had like carved out the middle of a pumpkin. So it wasn't like a face, but it was just a hole for the PVC pipe. Mm-hmm. So it was like a shoot. So they would, I would imagine they would shoot the candy through and it would come out through the pumpkin, pumpkin's mouth, which I yeah. thought it was very funny. Yeah. I was, I was telling one of the, one of my classes about the cool, um, tactics our neighbors used. And one of the girls said that they made their pipe delivery with, um, a minion. So it looked like the candy oh, was like funny. being puked out of a minion's mouth. That's um, kind of cute. So I, I think it's cool that, um, neighborhoods were embracing, um, creative ways to, to give, especially to younger kids who are really excited to go out um, for the first time, to give them um, the opportunity to do that. Well, and I was just really happy. Like, I was really excited that our neighbors were excited to participate in Halloween. Like, I think the teenagers that were passing out the candy just really were joyful to see the kiddos. And, and honestly, I think that we are very lucky because, um, like, Oliver doesn't have a long-term memory yet right so he doesn't remember um trick-or-treating last year and so he only had seen it so the fact that even we could go to like six or seven houses um was enough walking distance was enough candy for oliver at Mm -hmm. two years old and um last year we had like three to four inches of snow and this year it was like 67 degrees so it was just for me honestly it was for for how big oliver was this was truly a great Halloween mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, you know, I, I do feel for parents with, you know, s- five, six, seven, eight year olds who know what they're expecting and expect to get like piles and piles of candy. But um, we were just really blessed in that way. And mm-hmm. um, time change uh, in a family with a young kid. Um, I think this one is going to be a lot easier to transition 
than um, the opposite than yeah. the opposite one. So we're we're kind of recalibrating all of our sleep schedule mm-hmm. as Lane, you go back to work in the physical form next week, and I'm I'm starting up the gym again, just trying to get Oliver to bed early, get him up early, get me to the gym, um, and so that has been a transition that um, slowly we're kind of working into our lives right now. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I mean just between the the commute for me being so much longer um yeah it, one week from today um it's it's good that we we kind of got a natural transition point without having yeah. to just start throwing him into bed an hour earlier mm-hmm. um and i think that really has helped him mm-hmm. because like by the by the end of the night yesterday i was downstairs teaching a class but he was tired at like Six forty-five, because right. um, it was seven forty-five in his head. So, if we, you know, this kind of helped get us in this, um, get us in a better um, structure for for him, hopefully, um, which will lead to easier and less like cranky wake-ups in the morning where yeah. we're trying to like get him up before he's actually ready. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, for an antiquated um, system like daylight savings time, it was. Uh, I always appreciate the. The short-term benefits of the spring. I do like daylight savings time, just because I do like waking up to the sunlight in the morning. Um, for people with seasonal depression, um, it's always very nice for me when daylight savings comes around. Although it is not nice um, that the sun sets at five o'clock, but you know we do what we can, and um, and so yeah, we we keep in mind the election, we keep in mind COVID spiking, we keep in mind kind of the panic that holidays will bring as we kind of go through yet another spike of COVID, what that will mean, and kind of the disappointments of that. Um, but all in all, we turn to Leviticus tonight. Yes, the long-awaited, the long-awaited <clears throat> return and completion of Leviticus. And so this is going to be a little spotty, and Bentley is here helping out. So if you hear him kind of breathing or trying to eat my papers, you'll know um, that it's not a gremlin that we keep in our basement. But um, we are starting in chapter 21, and we're going to go all the way to the end of Leviticus um, and honestly, this is a lot, like, we're going to skip a lot mm-hmm. of parts just because it does get a lot of wordy. It it, it does get wordy. It does kind of drone on a little bit. Um, and honestly, there's just things that we don't need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are going to point out some things. But again, if you are unsatisfied with this recollection of Leviticus, um, we ask you to to pick up your Bible or your app and and read um, to fill in the blanks for us. So we are starting in chapter 21, which my heading is the holiness of priests. Mm-hmm. Priests. Priests. Um, so this, this is going to be a really good, a really, a point that we really need to keep in mind um, to keep, to put a pin in because this is a point that I will reference when we get to the book of Judges in like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the rule is that priests will not touch dead bodies. Um, so we know that it's about cleanliness. We know that it's about purity. Um, priests will not touch dead bodies except for their direct kin. So except for like the people that live in their house. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that is just a really interesting perspective because mm -hmm. as like um, pastors who might do funerals, we of course will touch dead bodies and we don't have a fear of that. So right. um, an interesting point um, and I don't have all of uh, we're just kind of going to roll through my notes, but um, in verse 7, it says, They shall not marry a prostitute or a woman who has been defiled. Neither shall priests marry a woman divorced from her husband, for they're holy to their God. And you shall treat them as holy since they offer the food to your God. Um, this, is, this is so interesting because we'll see one of the priests actually be told by God to marry a prostitute later in the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, but also I think that it is interesting, especially um, for, let's say, if there's any Catholics listening, that priests are able to have daughters and marry. Right. Um, as long as they're not prostitutes, mm -hmm. which um, honestly, I think that this does have to be stated um, because especially as we get later into the more um, complicated faiths, you know, as, as the Jewish culture gets kind of mixed up with other cultures, um, we will see like temple prostitutes. And so I can imagine that the priests are really interacting with these kind of women that are just hanging out. Right. And, um, and I, I don't know, I guess I know there's a lot written and a lot said about um, prostitutes in the Bible mm -hmm. in different places. Is it this, is it the same concept that we understand it today or would it be different? Do you have any I idea? Don't, I don't have an idea. Okay. I do think that, that I could probably look it up. I would not be surprised if it is essentially the same. Essentially the same. Yeah. I don't know if women were getting paid necessarily. Um, I don't know. Right. I think I think that would be a good question. I, I would assume just from just being around this talking and this discussion mm -hmm. for, you know, education and stuff, I think the assumption has always been that it is, this, you know, the oldest profession, as we might say. Right. That we right. hear people say. Well, and one of the things that, that we've been talking about in the Sunday class that, um, that we run um, that is reading the Black Women's History of the United States, um, there was like a value that was like an unintended consequence for slave owners was that people who were owned by them as property did have value because they mm. were property. Right. And I, so I, I just kind of, when I think about this, um, this group of oppressed people, women, um, <clears throat> in a time period where women had no rights, there was almost a, like a twisted right of like, if, people are giving you money, you suddenly, or they're giving you something in return for this, you suddenly have a value to them that um, you didn't have otherwise. I, I don't... Right. It's a very complicated and messy um, conversation, uh, but... Right. Well, and then I think the, the discussion then gets interesting when we look at verse 9, which is when the daughter of a priest, which goes back to that, like, surprising priest can marry, priest can have children... Um, when the daughter of the priest profanes herself through prostitution, she profanes her father and she shall be burnt to death, which is outrageous, first of all. But I also think that maybe this kind of does put a spin on it, that it's not necessarily like paid prostitution, but it might just be having sex before marriage. Right. 
Which I don't know if that's true, because then we'll see another instance of sex before marriage in the Bible that, you know, speaks in the face of this. So I do think that that it is interesting because um, obviously there is like total violence here that the daughter shall be burnt to death. But um, that if the daughter prostitutes herself, whatever that word might mean, mm-hmm. um, she profanes her father. So it's about reputation right. also. Which, I mean, is which, everything. Which I think it's also <clears throat> interesting that like we have that idea that like pastor's kids you know like Mm -hmm. we see this play out in pastor's kids Mm -hmm. um oh yeah that like the reputation of their kid you know like yeah it matters to the family what the kids do in right high school because it comes back to the congregation as being right on you as the pastor right so you know of course you know be burnt to death but i do think that hopefully not that there is consequences for parents um, that are in that leadership position. And I bet not even just pastors, but in any public position. Yeah. Yeah. That's why there's, I think, a lot of teachers are okay living outside of their part of their school district right. um, in different places. Um, now that that's not a requirement like it used to be. Um, because it is, <clears throat> you become public um, in a lot of different jobs that, yeah. um, and when your name is known in different communities, your kids' names then are <laughs> indirectly responsible to. So. All right. So Lane, how about you read that next bullet note here? <clears throat> All right. So, um, when grieving, um, a priest shall not dis dishevel his hair or tear his vestments. Um, he's not even allowed to partake. Oh, this is a different. Well, yeah, it's kind of the same. Okay. Thing. So yeah. He, and then priests are not even allowed to partake, um, in the burial of his closest relatives. Um, so total is his dedication to the service of God. So they can only direct kin. So is that like daughters, sons, and wives? Because this now says that they can't bury their closest relatives. Or is that different than touching dead bodies? That's touching dead bodies. Okay. Um, so who does the service? It, it must be a different priest. There just weren't services. Oh, so he shall not defile himself. Uh, he shall not go where there is a dead body. See, and this is another. Th- this is verse eleven. He shall not go where there's another th- where there is a dead body. He shall not defile himself even for his mother and father. Right. Which kind of speaks against what we just talked about. He shall not go outside the sanctuary and thus profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord, the God. So. I don't even know. So priests, priests were supposed to be held above reproach, and um, I'm curious even if they had like a burial, like did priests have to oversee a burial? Right. Which it sounds like I don't see. Would have just in been a different different person entirely. In knowledge. So. so, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Um, we hear again that priests should only marry a woman who's a virgin, which is fascinating because. How do you know? Because we know that hymen checks are not actually correct, although I'm sure that is probably we knew how that. they did it. Say right? We know that now. That doesn't mean we they knew that then. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, so not only a virgin sexually, but a woman of spotless character, mm-hmm. which is so interesting. And then um, 
a priest cannot have a physical deformity. Um, in verse 18 of chapter 21, we hear, For no one who has a blemish shall draw near, one who is blind or lame, one who has mutilated face or a limb too long, or one has a broken foot or a broken hand or a hunchback or a dwarf or a man with a blemish on his eyes or an itching disease or skull or scabs or crushed testicles. Hmm. So, I don't know how any of that would defer you from doing God's work, but in these days it did. Right. Well, there's a probably some sort of tie to how you look to what. Well, it's also about, like, the unblemishedness and the purity. Yeah. and Right. The wonderful purity. Yeah. So, chapter 22, we're going to skip. Because it's a lot more about offerings, and mm-hmm. I think we've talked a lot about offerings, and I, if you're interested in that sort of stuff about cleaning and and touching and how to make things clean, um, I would go back yourself and read chapter 22. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, chapter 23, we get into a long conversation about the festivals, which is what I kind of mentioned last time, the seven mm-hmm. festivals. Um, so we know that the first, not festival, but the first tradition and the first, um, thing, um, mandated by the 10 commandments is, um, Sabbath, mm-hmm. right? You rest, um, on Saturdays, the seventh day, um, And then we hear that there are three festivals, three festivals in the spring and Mm -hmm. three festivals in the fall. And we'll go through those. But for right now, um, Passover and Unleavened Bread Festival Weeks in spring, Solemn Day of Rest, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Booze in the fall. Yes, because Hanukkah, of course, has not happened to my brain. Uh, you want to walk us through the sevens, babe? Sure. So, um, so th- I mean, I feel like there's a lot of routine-based things that we can take away from the church calendar even today. Yeah. Um, but so seven festivals that happen during the year, um, kind of, there's a lot of sevens. We've talked about these all the way back to our first podcast where we looked at the seven um, days of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, the seven that the we've, we've talked about. Um, Holy Week, the mm-hmm. days between Palm Sunday and um, so here we have uh, seven days of of rest. Um, so the first and the seventh um, unleavened bread and weeks, um, the solemn re- rest day. Um, so those are the festivals, right? Yeah, all of the all, but they're they're all set aside um, mm-hmm. for that, and the majority for complete rest, right? So it, they're like uh, essentially an additional Sabbath. Yes. I would say a total Sabbath. Yeah. Um, so so not only that, but we have um, the majority happening during the seventh month of the year. How, how is that if there are... I, that's just what I read, and I was okay. like, I don't think that makes sense. Okay. Because... Unless all of the... Well, I think that we do see, like, the... the Days of Rest and the Day of Atonement all in the fall. All in the seventh month. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and then we have, yeah, this, like, every seventh year is the sabbatical year. Yep. Um, and then our, our favorite, um, every seven times seven, 
um, 49 years is the year of Jubilee, um, where all all debts are erased and all... Which we will talk about in yeah. a little bit. So, um, some really cool... So as we go through, sevens. just to kind of define these things, which we kind of have talked about, but there's some that are kind of surprising... Um, Passover and unleavened bread remind people of the fleeing from Egypt, as we talked about in Exodus, and the escape before the bread has risen, which we had talked about. On the first and seventh days, there's a holy convocation, um, so complete days of rest and services. There's the offering of first fruits. Um, you shall, um, the, if the Bible says you shall bring the, the sheep, the sheaf, S H E a f of the first fruits to of your harvest to the priests Mm -hmm. um, and an animal sacrifice just to celebrate god's goodness um there's the festival of weeks which is pentec or what we would call traditionally right now as christians um pentecost Mm -hmm. so this is 50 days after when you gave in those first fruits um the you bring two loaves of bread baked with leaven um, and an animal sacrifice and a reminder like this reminds you not to reap the whole harvest, right? We've talked about that leaving mm-hmm. space for things. Um, the festival of trumpets, which we might call Rosh Hashanah, um, complete rest. This is the new year. Um, the shofar, which is a, ram's horn instrument mm-hmm. is blasted which um so if you live near a synagogue you might hear that um we know there's some holy days in between rosh hashanah and yom kippur as i think we've talked about last a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. um the festival the festival of booths which i think this is a really cool thing um, so people would live, I mean, and people would live, and I don't know, I would suspect maybe people do still practice this. Mm-hmm. Um, they live out for a week in shelters made of branches um, for a, a whole seven days. This is to remind them how they had to live. Um, this is from the um, commentary. This is to remind them how they had to live in tents when they came out of Egypt and make them appreciate the good housing they now enjoy. Hmm. Um, so as we kind of look at that, we see, as we look as like a Christian perspective, the Passover, um, which we had talked about, you know, um, them fleeing from Egypt. Mm-hmm. We see this as Jesus's last meal in the New Testament in Matthew 26. Um, <clears throat> the Passover and then knowing how quick thereafter the unleavened bread came after Mm -hmm. um that has turned in christian realm the unleavened bread festival has turned into easter and then as i had said before the festival of weeks has turned into pentecost so are these as we as we kind of use our new testament lens on this not to take away from what the original meaning of these are but um since you have this mentioned here Mm -hmm. are these um mirrored so closely because of some like rhythm that God that's part of God's breath or part of God's rhythm of life or are these um were these kind of taken in, in a way that, that that Christmas was placed where it was to help transition people from um from a pagan faith into a Christian faith like were, what was there something that they said well we're going to match up these dates 
so they coincide or they're at least um, like recognizable to you um, as I they mean, relate to something in the past. I think realistically, we're not talking about Christmas here at all. Well, I'm not talking um, about. I, well, just, I know, and you just mentioned that, so I'm yeah. not like. I think that is something that we can talk about um, maybe later. You know, because they they did kind of put Christmas halfway around the calendar, but Easter kind of was the rock bottom one. Um, but I do think that there is. Um, I don't think that it is intentionally God's plan, but like if we look at it. We knew, we know that, like, Passover would have been the time that, like, everybody came to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And that would have been the time that, like, people came to celebrate the Passover meal. And so, realistically, that was the time that everybody was gathered in one place. That was the time for celebration and family. And so, is... Is it something that God or Jesus or the disciples, like, did it did it have more pack for the punch when people were already gathered, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, that would be my guess, is that if something like Passover happens mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> in, a, in just a normal time, we wouldn't hear about it. Um, because we do hear in the New Testament that... Um, the festival of booths, I want to say, is when Jesus went up on the mountain and saw the faces of. Mm-hmm. Um, and the festival of booths is kind of that idea that Moses was it, Moses went up on the on the hill and made houses for. No, that's not true. Ignore all that. Um, so that's Jesus making a house for Elijah. And, so, um, I, yeah, I think that realistically it was just about how many people were around and how the word of mouth would have spread. What? Oh, I was just asking if you could put that on the ground if you're going to rotate it. Oh, okay. Because it's thumping. I'm playing with my water. Um, yeah, and I, and I don't mean that as like a, um, because I think that there are definitely some some parallels, and I think that the way that the Bible's written, and we've talked about this many times, the the narration and the storytelling of the Bible is is incredible. And being able to look at Passover and have the Passover meal be Jesus's last meal, and the symbology and the symmetry yeah. of that is really incredible. Um, and I do think that the church, it, like as a tradition, practices such great rhythms and routines right. like like these, all, tracing all the way back to these festivals, that um, it almost becomes that which came first, the chicken or the egg thing, where right. I th- where it's like, it doesn't really matter, I guess, if, if humanity has built this around a rhythm because right. it becomes God's rhythm in that way. So um, I just, it's just always really interesting. Ever since I... Read with Da Vinci Code <laughs> and started trying to figure out what, uh, um, like how the how books were canonized and and um, and just little things like that. Seeing the way that the church put things together in the early days to make transitions easier for folks um, always makes me wonder about dates now. So yeah, it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting question. Um, Leviticus twenty four. We get two main sections about the tabernacle layout Mm -hmm. um the lamp and the bread and specifics um but then we hear about blasphemy and punishments because we do hear in the ten commandments that taking the lord's name in vain is a punishment or like is a sin Mm -hmm. 
Um, so this is actually so interesting. And I'm going to read here from chapter uh, 24, verse 10. A man whose mother was an Israelite and whose father was an Egyptian came out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite's woman's son had a certain Israelite and a certain Israelite became began fighting in the camp. The Israelite's woman's son blasphemed the name, capital N, name, in a curse. Hmm. And they brought him to Moses. Now his mother's name was something, something. And they were, this whole family was from the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody until the decision of the Lord should be made clear to them. So I'm going to keep reading because... This is not the end of the story. The Lord said to Moses, saying, Take the blasphemer outside the camp and let all who were within hearing lay their hands on his head and let the whole congregation stone him. And Hmm. speak to the people of Israel, saying, Anyone who curses God shall bear the sin. One who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be put to death, and the whole congregation shall blaspheme the uh, stone the blasphemer. So this is so interesting because we hear that it's not just using the name or the Lord's name in vain, but it's using the name in a curse, which I happen to do all the time, but not like the Yahweh name. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is interesting because why might it be interesting? I'm going to quiz you. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot of, I feel like a lot of things point back to like the way when we talk about why, whether or not Christians can curse and things like that, there's a lot of, I, I it's, is this not the verse that people point back to, to say like, well, it's okay to say things as long as it's not a direct. No, I think it, I think it goes back to, I'm sure it does come from this, but um, what's interesting about this story in particular with the Bible it's interesting that not only what did this man blaspheme by using the name, Mm -hmm. but then anyone who heard it also sinned, right? Because we see earlier in Leviticus that people had laid their hands, their, their sin on an animal to be sacrificed. Right. And so not only in this case, is it, he sinned and therefore like an animal he shall be slain right Mm -hmm. but the people who heard it had to lay that sin back on this the blasphemer and then he was stoned Mm. so i just think that is so interesting not necessarily that like this poor man but perhaps he should have known better yeah but everybody within hearing distance also had to be cleansed Hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but you're right. This is um, when Jesus was murdered by the state. They're they're using this verse against hmm. him. That okay. He is blaspheming. Um, so we hear that um, for Matthew 26. And Stephen um, is murdered. And Stephen is, is in particularly stoned to death in Acts 6. <clears throat> Um, so that verse comes into play in the New Testament. I just really, I just think that is so fascinating. I really that is, do yeah. think it's an interesting, and I think, I think honestly, it doesn't even put, I think that would be a really interesting conversation to talk about gossip. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's not just you who says it, but who hears it. And Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. You want to lead us through chapter 25? Sure. Because I know this is your jam. Well, so, so chapter 25, um, we have the sabbatical year, uh, which just is like for six years you use the land, and then seventh you let it rest. Six years you prune, and then the seven, seventh you don't, which... Um, I mean, I think about the Dust Bowl and things that have happened, like, in the last 100 years uh, in in American history that, like, this advice, maybe not directly, but the advice that we know now about how to properly take care of the land has not been practiced and got, when land gets overused and overused, um, there is a consequence. So, um, whether that is God's direct wrath or the consequence of us not caring for the earth that God has given us, um, there is a consequence to not letting the land rest. So, And I do think that this is interesting um, because I think I had read that it doesn't... If Say you had seven parcels of field. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't need to take a whole year off from... From like you would work all those fields six years, and then you would take all seven off. You would take You'd one off. Yeah. yeah, you would let one Sabbath for a year, and then use the other six, and yeah. then rotate through. Right. So I think I think there was some strategy that you mm-hmm. could use. So because half of me is like, wow, they would have to like how how would they pickle? How would they store? But I think right. realistically. Um, they could use strategy. Yeah. Well, and some of that goes to like crop rotation and things that farmers yeah. practice today where right. understanding that, you know, if you keep the same crop growing in the same spot over and over again, it's not good for the land and not good for the crop. So, um, but yeah. I, I will say also that this is an interesting command we get here in Leviticus um, because these people at this time are nomadic mm-hmm. and so i think you know i think this does point to evidence that these first five books were written at a much later time like in the kingdom of um like you know in king david's time almost mm-hmm. they might say i mean i know people kind of place these books in king david's time um but I think this does show this this passage in particular about planting and farming does not necessarily match the li- the livelihood of what people during the time of Leviticus would have been experiencing. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's the next part? Uh, so then we get into the year of jubilee, or um, as our building was called in in Fuller because of a typo. Or no, it wasn't the full, it was at our church. Uh, there was a typo on Jubilee, because um, we declared it the year of Jubilee, one of the years, and we celebrated that, but it was <laughs> spelled Jubilee. So um, our friend Kevin Nye, who joins us on the podcast occasionally, um, we also lived in a building called Jubilee at Fuller, um, and so we, we called um, that the Jub Hub because of that. So uh, <laughs> um, so that was our Jubilee. So um, the year of Jubilee, so 49 years there is work. And then on the day of atonement of the 50th year, the trumpet is sounded across the whole nation. At this point, <clears throat> there is a whole year of rest for the land. Um, but not only that, redemption of property <clears throat> excuse me, um, profit is returned to the original owner, redemption of slaves. If a man has sold himself into slavery for debt, he is also freed of that debt. Um, and then we have um, a couple quotes here from our... Um, Let's just stop there for okay. that discussion. 
So, what do you think about this year of Jubilee? Oh, well, I think that it's a cool way to um, restore balance to things. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot, all of this is put in place so that there's not too much given to some and not enough given to others. Right. I think. And then also to take care of the land and of society. Because if you take a whole year where everybody stops. Right. And eats from their stockpiles and eats from whatever they've, you know, like however. Well, and families get back together. Mm-hmm. Like, because, because that's how a portion of slavery would have worked during this time. Is there would have, like, they would have taken slaves from various cultures, like, places that they had um, accomplished. That's not the right word at all. Um, But, you know, Mm -hmm. that they had... Give me a word. I'm trying to think of one, too. I can't. I have not a... That beat down. Yeah, like... Yeah. Sacked? Sure. (laughs) You know what (laughs) we're talking about, listeners. Um, But they could take... Slaves, I'm sure, mm. is what they did. And then also, um, people, if they were in a debt, they could sell themselves to a person right. to work off that debt. Knowing that they would have a year of mm-hmm. freedom coming. I mean, 50 years is a long time. But right. um, but that is um, part of, again, the natural rhythm of this culture. <clears throat> so, the question then is... As I shuffle my notes here um from the commentary um what this means thus about once in any man's lifetime the slate was wiped clean everyone had a chance to make a fresh start the rich had to part with the land and the slaves they had acquired in the previous 49 years while the poor recovered their land and freedom so that is the good note right that's the image Mm -hmm. that's the idea But, as um, the commentary continues to say, but as the social institution, the Jubilee year remained an ideal, which was rarely, if ever, realized. Rabbinic literature says that it was reckoned to be obsolete in post-exilic times, which we'll talk about this. Chronicles, um, a book later in the Bible, may imply that not even the sabbatical year was observed in the pre-exilic times. Um, So we will get to these kind of middle books specifically when we get to like Kings and um, later in Kings. Mm -hmm. And we talk, especially in like the prophets is when the Northern Israel, when they, when they finally get the land of Israel, um, the land splits into Northern and Southern um, kingdoms and then both of those kingdoms throughout the time are um, put into exile mm-hmm. by Assyria and Babylon. And so so when we talk about post-exilic times, we're talking about um, after the people came back, which we see in like um, Nehemiah and those books, those later prophets about coming back. Um, and then... But here, the commentary says that Chronicles, which in our book, it puts, a, it, it puts it kind of right up at the beginning in the, new, in, in the Christian Bible. I think it puts it pretty close to the beginning of the Old Testament, but originally it was supposed to be the very last book. So that's actually how we're going to do it in the podcast. Hmm. Um, 
but Chronicles, um, specifically 2 Chronicles 36, 31, says that maybe not even a, a sabbatical year. So maybe it was not common practice to do it kind of staggered like we had talked about. <clears throat> so the theory of it was nice, but the execution of it as humans was um, flawed, as many things are when we try to do things that are nice for each other. Yeah. So, I mean, just reading it, I feel like there's a pretty easy guess that I could make as to why it never happened. Yeah, I mean, and I think because of, a, a, you know, we were raised in capitalism, so I think I really want to like this idea, but I think realistically, just com coming from my perspective, it doesn't make sense. But I think that's also what the kingdom of God is, that it doesn't make sense. Right, well, it makes sense in that on paper, it's a great idea to keep things um, fair and equitable. But mm -hmm. in reality, after 50 years, if somebody has built wealth and um, essentially an empire of, of um, profit, they're not going to want to give it up. And they also are probably the ones that have the most ability to say, right. we're not doing this. Um, right. So, which is sad. So there's not someone, if there's not someone or a, an entity to enforce that, then it would probably pass many times over without much impact. So, <clears throat> um so read that last quote here okay so this is also from our um, commentary as you finish the, ju the jubilee was intended to prevent the accumulation of the wealth of the nation in the hands of very few every israelite had the inalienable right to his family land and to his freedom so, and this goes back to the placement of the tribes in Israel, which kind of breaks my heart. Um, we're not going to go through, this of course was chapter 25, we're not going to go through chapter 27, because I think that we're really going to talk, well, we're going to kind of shortly but quickly talk about chapter 26. So, um, chapter 27 is about vows and tithing, so if you're interested in that, go ahead and open your Bible to Leviticus chapter 27. But mm -hmm. um, I want to read, I think, a lot of it, of chapter 26 out loud, because this is really going to come into play. Um, so chapter 26, chap uh, verse 1. You shall make for yourselves no idols and erect no carved images or pillars. You shall not place figured stones in your land or worship them, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbath and revere my sanctuary, and I am the Lord your God. Um, if you follow my statutes and keep my commandments and observe them faithfully, this is what we call the rewards or the blessings, mm -hmm. right? I... The Lord will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its produce, and the fields of and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing floor shall not overtake the vintage, and the vintage shall not overtake the sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full and live securely in your land. And I will grant peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and no one shall make you afraid. I will remove dangerous animals from the land, and no sword shall go through your land. You shall give chase to your enemies, and they shall fall before the sword. Five of you shall give chase to a hundred, and a hundred you shall give chase to ten. And a hundred of you shall give chase to ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before the sword. I will look with favor upon you, and make you fruitful, and multiply. I will maintain a covenant with you. You shall eat of old grain stored, long stored, and you shall have to clear 
out the old to make way for the new. I will place my dwelling in your midst, and I sh- and I shall not ab- abhor you, uh, abhor you. I shall not hate you, and I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be slaves no more. I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. So those are the really good things, Mm -hmm. right? So this is setting us up for the rest of the Bible. If you follow what I say in this book, these are the beautiful, wonderful things. Okay? Then we have a significantly wider verse of what we call the curses. Which, if I mean, if we look at the blessings just really quickly. Yeah, please. um, Rain and good harvests, peace and God's presence sounds like the Garden of Eden. Yeah. It sounds like that. Well, we get that fruitful and multiply. Yeah, we get this re rebirth of creation. We saw it with, with Noah and the Ark, all these little mm-hmm. um, reoccurring elements. That's exactly here. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but if you do not obey me, chapter 14 continues, uh, verse 14 continues, and do not observe these commandments, if you spurn my statues and abhor my ordinances so that you will not observe all my commandments you'll break my covenant i in turn will do this to you i will bring terror on you consumption and fear will that waste the eyes and cause life to pine away you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it i will set my face against you and you shall be struck down by your enemies your foe shall rule over you and you shall flee though no one pursues you and if, and if in spite of this you do not obey me, I will continue to punish you sevenfold for your sins. I will break your proud glory. I will make your sky like iron and the earth like copper. Your strength shall be spent to no purpose. Your land shall not yield its produce, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. If you continue hostile to me... And you will not obey me. I will continue to plague you sevenfold for your sins. I will let loose animals among you, hmm. and they shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock. And they shall make you few in number, and your roads shall be deserted. And it is in spite of these punishments you have not turned back to me, but continue to be hostile to me. Then I, too, will continue to be hostile to you. I will strike you sevenfold for your sins i will bring the sword against you executing vengeance for my covenant and if you withdraw within your cities i will send a pestilence among you and you shall be delivered unto your enemy's hands when i break your staff of bread ten women shall bake your bread in a single oven and they shall dole out your bread by weight and though you eat you shall not be satisfied but if despite this and if despite this you obey disobey me and continue to be hostile, I will continue to be hostile to you in fury. I will turn punishment. I will punish you sevenfold for your sin. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altar. I will leap I will heap your carcasses on the carcasses of your idols. I will abhor you. I will lay cities to waste. I will make your sanctuaries obsolete, and I shall not smell your pleasing odors. I will devastate the land so that your enemies who come to settle shall be appalled at it. And you I will uh, scatter among the nations, and I will unsheath the sword against you, and your land shall be a desolation, and your cities a waste. Then... I'm just going to keep reading because I think it's fascinating. Then the Lord, then the land shall enjoy its Sabbath years as long as it lays desolate while you are in the land of your enemies. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath years. 
As long as it lies desolate, you shall have the rest it did not have. It shall have the rest that it did not have on your Sabbath when you were living on it. And for those of you who survive, I will send faith, faintness into your hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight. And they shall flee as one flees from the sword, and they shall fall, though no one pursues. They shall stumble over one another after escape, as if to escape a sword, though no one pursues. And you shall have no power to stand up against your enemies. You shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall devour you. And those of you who survive shall languish in the land of your enemies because of their iniquities. Also, they shall languish because of the iniquities of their ancestors." But if you confess, if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their ancestors in that they committed treachery against me and moreover that they continued hostile to me so that I in turn continued to be hostile to them and brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land shall be deserted by them and enjoys its Sabbath years by lying desolate without them, while they shall make amends for their iniquity because they dared to spurn my ordinances and abhor my statues. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them or abhor them, um, so destroy them utterly and break their covenant with them for I am the Lord, but I will remember in their favor, the covenant with their ancestors whom I brought out of the land. These are the statutes and ordinances. So sorry, I had to read it all, but I think it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the curses? Well, I think that we, I mean, we see a lot of them happening in different places throughout history and they're all sound terrible. Yep. Um, I think that ultimately when we read the Bible, the Bible always hinges and God always hinges on the but where we have, yep. this will happen, but, um, cause there's a number of times where, you know, it's just like we talked about the year of Jubilee, the, there's an expectation of what God would like to happen. And then there's the execution that goes wrong. Um, right. and so like the curses are sound terrifying. Um, but also they don't sound surprising. And we've seen examples of pretty, <laughs> right. Pretty good ways that this goes wrong. Right. Um, in, in other, in other stories we've already looked at right. um, other plagues and other ways that that's happened. And just hearing some of that stuff read out loud. I mean, we we're we're living in a time where parts of our world are being, is being torn apart by fires and uh-huh. war and things like that. That's not an abnormal part of my, my lived experience. Right. Um, uh, in my 31 years alive, a lot of these things have, have functioned. I, I was born at the end of the Cold War, which is right. kind of weird to think about. But um, so I, I think that, um, again, we're in this constant. My, my question that I will go back to again for this podcast is, is this the rhythm of God or is this the rhythm that humans have created that God um, is now a part of? I think this is a, a an interesting um perspective and the bible podcast actually or no the the, um the bible project just came out their latest video which was i can't exactly think of what it is it's task or challenge or um what is it i'm pulling it up come on phone the test it's called it's one of their theme videos the test and so 
I think that's exactly what we're talking mm-hmm. about. And I do um, implore you, if you're interested in specifically the blesses and the curses, to look at this video. Um, because it shows how God tests people. And and then this is exactly what this is, right? This is a test. And um, we saw this with um, Abraham and Isaac, right? That was a test where God said, go up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice your son. And... And, you know, if that was a test that Abraham succeeded, we saw um, God give a test to Adam and Eve when he said, don't eat the fruit of the Bible, or don't eat the fruit of the Bible, don't eat the fruit of the tree, and they still did, right? They failed that test. And so here we are again, and another test um, where God says, if you do this, this sounds like a really freaking cushy life, Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to you have to work at it and you have to choose it. And if you don't, um, you know, these are all the things that could go wrong. So mm-hmm. I think we we give hints of how this goes one way or the other, even mm-hmm. just in this podcast. Um, but you may kind of already know a little bit of your history of biblical history. Um, but I think it's an interesting, I think this, I think this passage among all others set us up for, the long game in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, 27, chapter 27, you read alone by yourself. It's about tithing, which as we wrap up um, the last stewardship campaign as church people, we're tired of speaking about tithing. Um, Next week, Lane, what are we doing? I don't know yet. We'll see. I know what we're doing. We're talking about our favorite bands from our childhood. That's right. As promised, I have to try to put together a few um, items to get uh, to make that really fun. So the um, one of the one of the Facebook groups that I follow just had a huge discussion about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go through and write down all the bands. Good. Good. So I will do the legwork for you. Oh, okay. Of your episode. Perfect. I, ideally, um, had we not missed um, last week's, we would have had that be the joyous episode of this week. To if you if you are somebody who has not voted early and you're waiting in line, you could listen to us talk about something lighter than um, the curses of Leviticus. But um, but that's not the way the schedule worked. I was going to say listen backwards, and then you can end on the curses, but that's not or on the blessings, but that's not how that kind of works. Not quite. But just know that. Um, the God of the Bible is a God that, that hinges everything on the, but so, um, and, and not, uh, not that's what she said, but in the idea that, um, for every, every curse or every promise of devastation, there is always a, a promise of renewal or redemption. Right. Was that your charge? Sure. I have another one at the end, but yeah. Okay. Well then, and then the next book of course is numbers. Oh, which is so good. Numbers and that. I'm trying to see if that's a shorter book. Oh, come on. No, it's a longer book. Okay, so then it's a long book, and then we get to Deuteronomy, which um, means like second or double. So we'll get through a lot of. We'll go through Deuteronomy fairly quickly because um, we'll have heard a lot of the stories before. Um, so, Lane, what is your wisdom or takeaway from the book of Leviticus. Oh, I don't have one of those. I was not prepared for that. I'm sorry. 
I was going to talk about making sure people go vote. Um, What's yours? Be holy so the Lord, like the Lord is holy. There you go. Um, If you have not done so, please um, exercise your right as citizens in America, if you live in America, and vote. Um, Don't forget the importance of local and state elections as well. Um, All the decisions that... um, that our our local and state folks make um, are very important to your local community and our local community as well. So um, use uh, the resources that that we um, share in this episode's advertisement if that helps you. But at this point, um, depending on what state you're in, you may not be able to register to vote if you've not done so yet. So um, if you're listening to this before your polls close and you've not voted yet, please um, get off your booty and, and go go vote. Yes. Um, and I think it's important to remember Leviticus as we turn to vote that um, there were systems set up to provide for the least of these and the least among the society um, and specifically the, the immigrants and the orphans and the widowed. And um, I just think that that is a really interesting frame, framework, and I do think that it's timely that we're ending on Leviticus. Um, the one that, you know, the book that everybody thinks is legalistic, but really it's legalistic that um, it wants us to redeem the brokenness in us, the brokenness in our society, and the brokenness in our relationships with God. Um, and so you may, may you be blessed by being a restorer of the break and a restorer and an usher of the kingdom of God today and every day, whether it's an election or not. Amen. Amen. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at And So We Meet Again Pod, on Twitter at ASWMA Pod, and on Anchor at anchor.fm slash And So We Meet Again. We're also available everywhere podcasts are downloaded, so rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you. See you next time.